We are starting off the final week in IndyCar listener Q&A show of this tragic dumpster fiery 2020 by me enjoying a sip of lump of coal holiday dark stout uh and even says on the label much more than you deserve for christmas this year and yeah probably a lot of truth to that i gotta say big thanks to friends of the show the collective the growing collective that is known as prue day which is modeled off of my favorite wwe tag team the new day uh boy beers with the week in indycar gonna try and do more of these and while i'm not drunk and it only has what seven and a half percent by volume of alcohol (sighs) being able to have something nice and dark to drink that i can't see through and answer your questions in this case a very different episode very special episode uh it's it's a mighty fine way to get down so yeah i'm marshall pruitt this is the week in indycar this is a very loose conversational show at its best and at its worst i'll go ahead and say this is going to be the worst episode of the year it's really loose it is full DGAF, without a doubt. Um, it's my unpolished turd. Why is it unpolished? Eh, if I really put in any effort, then it'd be polished. And who wants that, right? Let other folks be professional. I do that enough during the day. Let me be unprofessional at night, I say. So what are we doing? What is this episode? What's going on? Well, you know, I decided needed to shake things up a little bit for the final episode of the year I sent out a call, Facebook, Twitter, and I think crept to Reddit, hopefully, 20 items, 20 topics, 20 areas in something calling for your feedback. This is the Weekend IndyCar's first official, eh, you might not want this, award show. And so the first 19 got got some good stuff. The 20th item... I think we had more responses to the 20th and final item, make up your own award, uh, than any of the others. So that just tells me y'all are kind of on the same wavelength. Don't don't stick to convention and norms and rules. Make up your own stuff. Go do it. Rule book, schmool book. Don't use that. It's really bad. Uh, That's what we're doing here to close the year. 20 award categories, things that... Again, most teams and drivers don't want to win these. Some of them, yeah, they might, but the vast majority, you don't want to come out on top. But I asked you all to weigh in, give me your thoughts, vote, give me your reasons why. I'm going to read through all 20 and the answers you sent in. This is your show, so these are your picks. And if there's kind of a dominant option in any of these categories, well, we'll just name that the winner. But if I'm not agreeing, I might have to overturn. Uh, This is a, no, we're not impartial. This is a very partial panel of judging, panel of one. So uh, I might weigh in here too and give you my thoughts as to either who should have won or uh, if I got to overrule, I will. Uh, There's nobody really able to to sustain or or anything like that. So just going to be me. And we're going to do one final thing before we get rolling. Going to say huge thank you. To you, I do my best to say this at the opening every week. It is not rote. It is not rehearsed. It is not anything other than 
genuine appreciation for all of you who listen and those of you who send questions in each week, those of you who don't, who just listen, uh, all of you who help make this a thing. I love doing it. It is something I look forward to each week. We're probably going to get back to something normal next week, the week after, where we do a listener Q&A one, maybe two, if there's enough questions to warrant it. Guest shows as well, taking a couple weeks off of that. And uh, nonetheless, really do appreciate you who listen and take time to make the show a thing, because otherwise, it'd just be kind of a sad situation of me sitting here drinking a beer, talking into a mic by myself uh, with a blank page and no questions on them. So, yeah, we're going to avoid that really scary scenario. Need to really, really, really say a huge thank you to the Justice Brothers. Yes, they are going to be back. Uh, what, next year, I believe, will mark the third year? So that's going to be pretty awesome, if you ask me. One of my oldest friends and relationships here, continuing yet again as a show partner. And a year before them, our very first partner and our most tenured partner, Cooper Tires. They're going to be back as well next year. Really, really happy to announce both those items and torontomotorsports.com. What? Yes, those wacky guys from Canada. Uh, not from Practice France, a little bit west of Practice France. In uh, Ontario, I believe, somewhere near this town, I if I had to go the way that it's, if I had to spell the way that it's spoken, I believe it's spelled T-R-O-N-N-O, Toronto, something like that, uh, our good pals at torontomotorsports.com, those who keep us well-stocked in T-shirts, in stickers, in memorabilia, models, all kinds of fun stuff. They're going to be back as well. A huge thank you as well to Bell Racing Helmets USA. Really enjoyed working with them. They were among our first partners as well. And I think I'm just going to go with the three primaries for next year. It's nothing negative or bad regarding Bell. Just uh, I think I'm going to go with three for now. And uh, we'll see if we want to make that a fourth again. But nonetheless, huge thanks to everybody, all four of those partners, for everything they've done this year. And really excited about what we're doing here in the future and those who are coming with us. So what are we doing now? Well, we're getting going. The Week in IndyCar's first annual, eh, you might not want this, award show. What is topic number one? What is the very first award? I tell you, it's the Golden Bowling Ball Award. Uh, that is for the driver who took out the most cars throughout the season. I have been giving that out for 10-plus years in print, so I'm really happy to turn this one over to y'all to pick your golden bowling ball winner of the year. Would also say that when our pal Brian Barnhart was the head of the Indy Racing League slash IndyCar, and Robin Miller nicknamed him the great Brian Barnhart TGBB. By coincidence, the Golden Bowling Ball Award also lined up with TGBB. So uh, don't know if that means anything, but figured I'd mention it. So that is our very first award the Golden Bowling Ball Award. Of the submissions that we had, we have Brian at 500 Indy 1911, who says, Will Power, Road America Round 2. Yeah, yeah, that, there's, there's something there, Brian, for sure. 
Uh, Daniel Summersgill says Zach Veach for his role in the start line shunt at Gateway One. And let's see, we also have EMC Racing 96 who voted for Santino Ferrucci. Hmm. Got some fine choices here. Who takes this one, though? I know Will Power for sure was... He was blamed for a number of things. Um, I don't know if he was truly at fault for as much as he was blamed for, but he was certainly feeling the heat. Zach... uh, I think Zach might end up winning this one, unfortunately. And as you all know, no secret, I love me some Zach Veach, uh, one of Ohio's uh, better products. Daniel, I think you might be onto something here with Zach. And it comes from a place of, so, yeah, that wasn't great. And uh, there was some problems. And it wasn't entirely his fault. All those things are true at Gateway 1. Yeah, the only problem is I think that set the hook. I I think that really did set things in motion for, I think that might have been the point. And I don't know this. It's just purely uh, suspecting and pontificating. I think this might have been close to a final straw for Andretti. I think this might have been the one where they started to say, okay, we want to make a change. And no, not at the end of the year when his contract is up. We want to engineer something ASAP. So, yeah. Were there others who probably took out more cars? Maybe. I will admit I didn't exactly keep count of who hit whom, how many times, and uh, whose numbers are better than any others. Better, of course, being uh, worse. But, yeah, I would say if we look at the overall effect of coming out of that the man this guy's had a terrible year and it's only getting worse standpoint daniel i think we got to give this one to zach and i feel bad i feel like piling on almost but you know the truth is a bit blind here and i having not been swayed by anyone else's arguments knowing the effects that followed soon after gateway i think you think you got the winner here buddy Yet again, and as I said at the opening, and as I will probably repeat many times, yeah, this is the one you might not want to win. So, yeah, uh, there we go. All right, let's go to number two. And this one ah, wasn't as spicy as I thought it might be, but I think there's a pretty clear winner. Uh, This piggybacks off the first one. So award number two, the virtual Golden Bowling Ball Award for the driver who caused the most mayhem in the IndyCar iRacing Challenge. First of all, knowing that EM Racing chose Santino Ferrucci for the real-world golden bowling ball, I'll admit to being rather shocked no one chose him for the IndyCar iRacing Challenge, the virtual Indy 500, whatever number of laps they did, where he took out Oliver Askew, and that led to a pretty significant uh, socially distanced e-virtual telling off and uh, it's just a game, bro. And yeah, whatever grumpiness was brewing towards Santino, 
I think a number of drivers, if they hadn't already kind of sort of written them off, I think this one maybe turned the tide and said, all right, we're officially uh, anti-Santino Ferrucci. Very surprised he's not mentioned here. I I could have argued for him being vice co-champion. Not mentioned, though. So I don't know if I want to overrule. I mean, this is, you know, I don't want to get question number two, award number two. I don't know if I want to do the overrule here. So uh, I'm going to save that. I'm going to pocket that for a little bit later. But we do know that Elaine Sinclair, and thank you, Elaine, for sending in a lot of great stuff for this show. She says... Her choice, Simon Pagano, for his premeditated stunt, for which we have both live audio and video. Uh, Random Noun 7 adds Pagano for taking out Lando Norris. It was done so blatantly. We have a couple others here. Greg Warren says Connor Daly because Connor Daly? I don't know if I remember Connor really being the taking a bunch of people out guy in the uh, the iRacing Challenge. Not talking about the LCQ League, of course. Um, let's see, our pal Brian's back. He says Pato Award, easy. Again, I seem to recall Pato doing a thing or two, Brian, but maybe I missed some of the other ones. I don't know. And then uh, EM Racing's back and says Tony Canon, which I'm not sure I totally get that one. Um unrelated to this award uh big shout out to his wife yet again uh lauren who was kicking ass when she was doing some eye racing um i think this one's a really easy simon pagino holy cow so not only did he take out lando norris who was about to win his indy 500 200 what again whatever it was um not only was this guy looking like he was in for a shout at the win we had Simon Pagano then hunt him down for reasons. Am I, are we fully sure that there was anything that actually happened between Lando and Simon or was it just the net lag or whatever the hell it's called? Um, I know that Simon definitely believed that young Lando McLaren formula one driver was the person responsible for taking him out, but I'm not sure if he really truly was. And so Simon's then intentional, as you mentioned, Elaine, premeditated. I love that. This sounds like we're just taking him to court. Um, Right? Overstating the obvious for some of you. Old friends with Simon. Love the guy, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. I'm just saying. Yeah. I don't know what kind of acting classes they have uh, where he grew up in Montormion. Um, uh, maybe not the best because whatever that act was that, oh, it was not intentional and it was just, oh, an accident that I took out uh, Lando and I was going to pit lane and see, that is why we ran. Aha, uh-huh. right. And then Lando and possibly the funniest video of the year goes and finds and posts Simon's Twitch video from his Twitch feed where he cooks up the entire premeditated stunt um, and then just lit his ass on fire as a liar. Just right. Can't call it anything else. Liar. Huh. That to me, 
that might have been among the most interesting aspects of this past season. And it wasn't in a, quote, real race. This is someone who thought he was taken out by somebody that, but wasn't. Decides he's going to get him back. The get back is coming. And then does. Then gets called out for doing it intentionally. Then lies and says that he didn't. And then the guy that he took out, who's maybe a little bit craftier with the uh, the interwebs uh, and the YouTubes and whatnot and the Googs and all the other cool things, says, yeah, okay, guess what? Yeah, I'm going to make an ass out of you here. And so let me go find the evidence to convict you on your own feed and then posts it. And even better, instead of getting all mad and shouty, Lando laughs his ass off through it at him and then goes about having an excellent season in Formula One. So if comeuppance is is not a thing, then I don't know what is because Simon, uh, man, he got absolutely roasted and owned by Lando. So without a doubt, Elaine and uh, Random Noun 7 from Twitter you two have definitely highlighted the clear winner of the virtual golden bowling ball award for 2020. The man who is known as Simon Pagano. Uh, we're going to go to category number three, favorite broadcast moment, TV or radio. And I might have come up a little bit short on the options there as I think, yeah, we'll see. Pal EM racing is back says Hinch interviewing Rossi at Gateway after Rossi crashed 12 feet after the start. Um, Random Noun 7 again is back and says definitely Hinch interviewing Rossi after Rossi was taken out of the start of that Gateway race. Uh, how do you top Hinch approaching his good friend who can only shake his head and say, I don't know what you want me to say. Uh, yeah. We got a couple more submissions here. Just saying these two, eh, they might be a little bit, or this one item submitted from our two pals here might be hard to overlook. But we need to keep going just a little bit. Rebecca Sanchez uh, says, ha ha wanker, which uh, that would be delivered by our pal Colton Herta at Santino Ferrucci. What was that? Was that the first or the second uh, Harvest Grand Prix race. was It, it was at IMS. That's all I can commit to. I'm not sure if I remember the exact which race and whatever. But, yeah, uh, trying to get by Santino. Santino outbraked himself, trying to avoid, I believe, going a lap down, and then went running off into turn one and, yeah, kind of fell back. Um, timing, right, Rebecca? That's what made this one so classic. Everything happened on track. They happen to be cutting to Colton coming into the corner and grabbing his radio feed. I mean, it was truly. So this one, we got to give a big thumbs up. So not only when we talk about favorite broadcast moment, but to the uh, NBC Sports, IMS Productions folk, folks, they just, they nailed every aspect of this to get the drama playing out as it happened live and... Colton <laughs> keying the good old mic button. Uh, Colin Santino, a wanker, and laughing at him. Um, yeah, that one was pretty darn good. And the last one here, didn't see this, but I have heard from a number of folks that it was pretty amazing. Greg Warren submits, says it was only online, but Hinch hosting the IndyCar Award Show was excellent, natural at it, 
in the bit with him awarding Rossi, the fan favorite award, was gold. I think that's a pretty good option there. Uh, I would certainly say, Rebecca, the the if we're talking on the production side, maybe we got a dual awards here on the production side for favorite broadcast moment for sure. That has to go to all the folks that made the Colton Herta IMS turn one Santino Ferrucci ha ha wanker moment. I mean, it was just perfect. Um, the meritorious interviewing award, I think goes to James Hinchcliffe knowing that his seriously dear friend co-host of the Hinch and Rossi off track podcast. Did I mangle that name? Probably off track with Hinch and Rossi, maybe uh, brought to you by Rossi and Hinch in off tracks and Thim, Tim, Thin Tim, Tim Thim. I don't know. Um, Tim Allen. Yes. Yeah, something along those lines. Um, having to go to his dear pal after just being dumped through no fault of his own for what the 47th race in a row, it felt like, uh, having to go to his man, Rossi, after being taken out at round one, what previous race, Indy 500, he finished 29th, 7th, I think. So, yeah, coming into a race where already pretty grumpy, and then you just get dumped, this feeding back to our Golden Bowling Ball Award, our pal, Mr. Veach. Um, I would absolutely have to say that the call for Hinch Having the gumption, I was about to use a word that rhymes with malls, uh, gumption to go over to his pal, knowing that he has been in those situations, young Mr. Hinchcliffe, where you just had a big wreck and you're in a terrible mood and you don't want to talk to anybody and some idiot uh, looks like me or looks like other people, puts a mic in their face. Um, You just want to tell them to go stick uh, rectangular things and small orifices in their body. And knowing that, having the malls to go over and still ask the question, but also having the humanity and the empathy to understand where his pal was at. And uh, to Rossi, who, again, if there's a guy who has come farther in being a quality interview. And just letting you know the raw thing that he's feeling or that's going through his brain. I don't know if they're in the series. Uh, he's he's the guy. So got to give that to him as well. So is that, did we just do that for a favorite broadcast moment? Did we just give an award basically to off track with Hinch and Rossi? I think we did. Uh, super producer Tim I think you need to send in an acceptance speech for next week, uh, preferably in audio form. Um, definitely. So, cause you're not getting the award if you don't. And by saying that I I'm intimating that there is an actual physical award to give. There isn't, but let's just pretend like there is. So I'm going to need to hear your acceptance speech on behalf. I wouldn't say of your better halves, just of your halves uh, for winning this award. We're going to award number four, the Mr. Invisible Award. Ah, this is the first one of the 20 where a bone I have to pick, but there is a winner. There's a winning choice in here. So the Mr. Invisible Award 
if you happen to read my post-race brain dumps on racer.com. More often than not, not every every race, but certainly when it stood out, I would name the Mr. Invisible uh, and give the Mr. Invisible Award for the individual races, for those drivers who were at the race, but eh, not so much in the race. And we had a number of folks, it uh, feels like you're picking on them a little bit, and then I'm feeling a little defensive, defensive of the guy. So if I push back a bit, just know that, uh, I'm here drinking a lump of cold beer and it's, you know, a Monday evening and we got home from physical therapy a little bit early. So I got more time than usual. And my wife did something amazing today, by the way. I hope I get to tell you all about that here in the near future. Uh, I'm going to take a sip. Brian, you for Mr. Invisible for the season chose Dalton Kellett said uh, until he was getting lapped. Elaine Sinclair, oh, Elaine, I tell you. Dalton Kellett says he may not have achieved a great finish, but he stayed out of trouble unless trouble found him. Got to admit, Elaine, you're kind of kicking everyone's ass with your uh, your answers and reasonings behind them, even if I don't disagree. It's well-spotted, well-analyzed. So just a little tip of the cap, tip of the something, nod here. Thank you, and please keep sending in stuff, Elaine. Lance Snyder, Whatever. He just says Dalton Kellett because I named him my show's Minister of Mirth. He thinks he's just too good. He doesn't have to offer any explanation. Just he just name a driver and be done. Drop the mic. Is that how it is now, Lance? I see, pal. Uh, where else are we going here? We got uh, Howard Bennett. All right, we're changing names. Fernando Alonso in the Indy 500. Says the final proof you'll get nowhere. Oh, okay. Well, that's not very nice. I mean, then you say with McLaren, but come on now. Um, Joey the Priuses, someone who uh, I, I tell you, of all the guys with the lowercase i in front of their first name and then their last name kind of sort of morphed into a bit of an old and eh, kind of out of favor Toyota model. You're my favorite, man. Uh, he too says Fernando Alonso said, I don't think he was mentioned once in the Indy 500 broadcast. Well, maybe not the English-speaking one. I'm sure the Spanish-speaking one, though, Joey. uh, Boy, you missed that one, pal. Uh, EM Racing 96 is back. Yet again, just one word, Charlie Kimball. You know, that's that's not a bad point. Chuck didn't have a lot of races this year that really jumped out. If you were looking at the Charlie Kimball curve... Uh, he had a great close with that eighth place. Um, every other finish, though, was no better than 10th. And, yeah, that makes it hard to be noticed. So I, I see you and I feel you. I even smell you. EM Racing 96. Winner, though. Clear winner. Because Dalton is a rookie, right? Kid didn't even do the full season. Uh, driving for one of the teams what's so we're going to come up with a nice way of putting this teams with the greatest anticipation of being competitive again Ooh, i like that yeah okay i like that i gotta take another sip this lump of coal is helping winner for the mr invisible award though for 2020 the driver who more often than not you forgot was in the race that have to go to 
Takuma Sato, Daniel Summersgill, says without his Indy 500 win, would have struggled to get in the top 10 in the final points. Uh, also says notable mention for Fernando Alonso, who was totally anonymous at the Indy 500. What was Fernando's problem there? Was it gearbox? Something like that? Uh, sh- shift related? Something. Yeah, I, I believe there was a, a pretty decent reason for good old fast effing Fernando from not really standing out at the 500. But yeah, I don't think he was really going to do a, a ton even if he wasn't having a problem. The Takuma Sato note from Daniel, that's where, not overruling, I mean, the majority voted Kellett, got that, but if you take the start to his year, where he crashed, and they were unable to get the car ready in time to start the race, so he started the year with a one-race deficit. Uh, He had, what, three or four top tens after that, but it was kind of, closer to the top 10 uh what crash at iowa i think or something along those lines big win at indy followed that up with a great great second place to open up the gateway double header and then we just kind of fell off pretty darn hard and got to admit i think we could throw felix rosenquist in here a little bit uh, obviously had a win seem to pick up a little bit more towards the end of the year, but if we just go based on expectations from his rookie year, uh, yeah, finishing sixth as a rookie in the championship to finishing with zero wins to finishing 11th in his sophomore year with a win, I think there could be a little bit of an argument made right there. But yeah, Sato was just a weird year. Uh, and you take the fact that his teammate, Graham Rahal, with no double points win, with no wins, but also certainly not a double points win at Indy, uh, finished ahead of him in the championship. So, yeah, uh, I, T- Takuma was one who I jotted down in my post-race brain dumps as the, where are you, my brother? I'm not seeing you here. I didn't really remember or recognize too much uh, that you were here. So, yeah. Um... Yeah, there we go. Let's see, where are we going next? Well, we're going to the comeback team or driver of the year. Uh, EM Racing 96, you weigh in and say Andretti Autosport in the second half of the season. I would say that's fairly well spotted. Uh, Would just throw in that, you know, there, without a doubt, was a huge slump to open the year for Andretti Autosport. And it did take until the latter stages of the year for things to start to get right. Uh, Rossi obviously didn't have a win, but reeled off, what, three or four podiums in a row. That was obviously very good. Hunter Ray didn't win, but he was, what, on the podium thereabouts uh, more than one occasion you know, things definitely started to pick up towards the end of the year. So there is certainly that narrative of a strong rally, strong comeback. But then I look at Colton Herta and go, eh, it was kind of there the whole time. So with Rossi and we know with our man Hunter Ray, there was certainly a lot of bad luck. There was a lot of misfortune where you go, ooh, boy, um, that really was not what I expected but 
I would have to say if you look at Colton's year, you know, fourths and fifths and whatnot weren't exactly amazing, but he was running fairly decently uh, at a number of races early in the year. That's what helped him finish third. So maybe thinking a little more along the lines of a driver who was down a little bit, uh, who maybe didn't get a chance to show everything that they wanted to prior to this year. And I don't know if comeback is really how you would place things for a guy that finished 12th, knowing that he's only in his second year. But I'm going to go ahead and pick the winner here and say Marcus Erickson. Now, you probably heard me say this on the show before, and I don't remember if I wrote it or not. I don't remember half of what I do. Um, this is a guy who finished 17th as a rookie in IndyCar in 2019 with the Schmidt peterson team. Uh, looked decent a couple of times, but more often than not, eh, not a lot. Not a lot to remember. Uh, he was certainly a Mr. Invisible candidate many times as a rookie. Know that he was a rookie, a true rookie. Hadn't been to more or less every track learning ovals, all kinds of things. But we've seen Formula One refugees, Formula One, ex-Formula One types perform at a much higher level on their debut season than Marcus did. So you might say, well, wait a minute. The guy finished 17th as a rookie, moved to Ganassi, the, the 2020 champs, finished 12th, and that's comeback driver of the year? I'd say so. I would say that if you look at the average performances that he put in, the fact that he improved so heavily from year to year, the fact that while I don't recall him ever threatening for a win, he was a guy whose car was seen in meaningful finishing positions, having meaningful fights for position. What, at Indy he finished almost last, I believe? So just saying points-wise... You know, he has a slightly better day at Indy, and we're not maybe talking about a 12th. Maybe we're talking 10th, 11th. Uh, not a brilliant year. Still certainly some things to clean up, tune up, and improve upon. But I can tell you that having watched where he started in most races, qualifying is an area that he definitely needs to uh, tune up a bit. But he's a guy who I would say of just about everybody in the top half of the championship he's a guy whose 12th place doesn't feel right feels like he was kind of in that ninth to 10th range um and that's not a bad thing i don't know if i expected him coming to indycar to be a future champion right he'll let us know <laughs> he'll tell us if he has a capability i don't know if i earmarked him for those kinds of heights but uh his much more celebrated young teammate who did have same start, same year uh, in 2019 as he did, and won a race, only finished, what, 16 points, I think, higher, 15 points ahead. So, you know, the fact that both Swedes finished right behind one another or next to one another, I mean, that says something. But, you know, if Dixon won the championship in a Ganassi car, Rosenquist was 11th, and still considered to be a future potential champion, and Marcus finishes 12th and is really not that far behind him and doesn't have a win to help jack up his points tally, I think that guy 
again, I know he only had one year to come back from, but we're going to go ahead and give that to Marcus Erickson. Why? Because eh, I said so. Uh, remember, this is the, the partial, partial panel here, not the impartial. Partial Marshall. We're going to go to our sixth category and keep rolling here. It's one that I enjoy, and I loved hearing your thoughts about this. This is the best livery award, the best paint scheme, best, best, best. Interesting to see a name that we just mentioned, and by we, I mean me. I keep saying I got to stop doing that. I don't think I'm ever going to win, so I'll just keep saying we for no reason. Uh, Jerry Suddeth, how you doing, Jer? Says best livery, that'd be Marcus Erickson. The Husky car looks clean and classic. I love it. Greg Warren says Marcus Erickson, Husky chocolate with the mountains. Gabe Argenta, Jimmy Johnson's ally livery from iRacing. I like the call there, Gabe. Going, uh, who who cares about real or virtual? Pick what you like, man. I'm with you there. That that's a great call. Our pal John Wojnar. A.K.A. John Ranjow, uh, one of the main instigators of the Prue Day. Says that classic A.J. Foyt scheme run by the French fry, Sebastian Bourdais. Two to go here. We got Joey the Priuses, says Dragon Speed. Who doesn't love Flexbox? I mean, when people think of the Dragon Speed IndyCar, Flexbox is absolutely what comes to mind. Not the Evil Knievel livery ripoff that I love but flex box and Brian at 500 Indy 1911 Connor Daly's gray air force livery. I mean, it's hard for me to pick one when except for the Foyt scheme, John, just cause meh, didn't do a lot for me, but uh, it's okay. Um, I kind of like all of them. So is it a cop out to say you're all right? If I really had to, play judge here i'd say gabe's choice of uh, Jim, jimmy johnson's ally livery from iRacing. so i'm just going to highlight that because it makes me feel like i've done something definitive even though i haven't uh one of my favorite things to track throughout the year is the subject of our seventh award category favorite racing sim comments who said what that won't soon be forgotten uh, <laughs> glad this is an IndyCar show, um, because that means we can't include Kyle Larson. So there you go. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Our pal Kevin DeVries. Uh, I think you kind of got the home run here. Uh, says Connor Daly, uh, says after a save at, let's see, uh, after a save at I Barber, uh, remarking that. He should have been upside down in the stands buying a hot dog with a guy named Steve. Well, hard to argue about that. Uh, and even better, there was a guy named Steve in the, in the grandstands there, Kev. Uh, Elaine Sinclair follows, supports, and reinforces Connor Daly's comments about various drivers taking flight for Mars. Uh, Brian, our pal again, says Connor Daly at Watkins Glen. That one's easy. Says there was a man and he was flying. And he also says honorable mention, willpower calling everyone wankers. So see, I'm a little bit torn here. If we are talking consistency, if we're talking someone, I would actually intentionally tune in to follow on their Twitch stream just because of what they would say 
not necessarily what they would do behind the wheel, that would be Connor because he's just so funny that that's the thing, right? And so no disrespect to his iRacing skills, but that's the comedic value. Power, on the other hand, just gets to be his complete unfiltered self. And of the couple of favorite moments from the iRacing Challenge series, it was the moderator, whose name I don't remember, um, just asking him to back down, be quiet, hush, not curse at everybody. I think our pal Sebastian Bourdais was also pleading with Will to stop calling everybody out and calling them wankers. And, you know, at least here in America, wanker doesn't really have any meaning. Uh, I think a lot of folks know what it is, but it's just, it's not one of those words that you say that, you know, at a, at a fine gathering and everyone gasps. It's folks know it's a bad word or uh, connote something bad or negative, but maybe doesn't get the full meaning of it down under, of course, uh, full understanding. So power calling everyone wankers. <laughs> Those being called a wanker might not have really grasped what he was saying about them. Um, he certainly did. And for those of us who know what that means, it just, it was the best. So I'm not sure where to go here. Do we go co-champs on this? Because power was just super aggressive, didn't give a bleep, and I think just enjoyed terrorizing people verbally, possibly more than the driving. Connor, I know, enjoys the driving, but also... The commentary is pure gold. Power, it's just him slaying any and everybody just for fun and not caring at all. So two very different approaches. I think we gotta I think we gotta do our is this the first? I don't remember. We've only done seven and I can't remember. Uh I think we gotta go co champs on this award. Connor Daly will power. We need to get them on some form of sim racing team, right? Oh, I mean, that would be like a, a good, bad buddy cop show from the 1980s. I don't know what, what it'd be called. Um, but yeah, uh, these two together as a united force with just open mics the whole time. Yeah, uh, someone's making a lot of money on that feed for sure. Uh, let's see. Gabe Argenta adds anything. Will power said, um, and, uh, EM racing 96 throws in one, uh, from Alexander Rossi, who I guess I miss this one. He says, quotes Rossi saying, does your mother not love you Santino, which, <laughs> Jesus. Ah, all right. Getting a little spicy here, but you know, uh, there you go. We're going to go to category number eight our award for the best pass. And Greg Warren, you say the winner should be Takuma Sato for his pass on Pato Award at Gateway Race 1. Our pal Tim Falkowitz, who puts together the questions each week. Thank you, Tim. Says Felix Rosenquist chasing down Pato, going by and getting his very first win. Uh, EM Racing says Scott Dixon getting the lead at Texas. And our pal Ryan Terpstra, the spirit vegetable of the show, says it's a tie. Scott Dixon at Texas, Renus VK at Road America in the carousel with the Chevy-powered Delara. 
Oh. So, because I do no homework whatsoever and don't read ahead on the questions or answers or whatever it is, and my brain has forgotten a little bit on the Road America Pass by Renus, who he did that on. Um, I think I'm going to go with that one. And I'll have to look it up afterwards. But I just recall that that pass was breathtaking. Truly breathtaking. And I'm hoping that my memory is serving me correctly, Ryan. And I'm sure you will remind me here via DM as to who he did that to. But I just remember seeing that and saying, yeah, that that not only does that kind of never happen, but then with both cars coming out safely, um, I think we got to go that one because the risk reward index of difficulty balance of holy crap. Um, I just remember that one standing out as winner, 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 winner. I'm going to go to category number nine. We're almost halfway done. Category number nine in our award show, the most 2020 thing of the 2020 season. Oh, there's some gems in here. For sure, we're going to kick things off with our pal Kevin DeVries as I take another sip quickly. Almost halfway done. Let me see. Let me hold it up. Yeah, it might actually be a little more than halfway done. I'm I'm outpacing the show here. Kev says, either way, it's Andretti. But take your pick between either the gateway race and losing three cars before they even took the green. The, the camera cutting to Michael Andretti. I don't know what that look is called. The, well, murder is still illegal, so I can't go kill all my drivers. Um, wow, that's going to be really expensive. Did I get all their credit cards before the race started? Uh, hey, can I also borrow a hammer from AJ Foyt and smash this television camera filming me? Take those three things and give me the correct word for it or make one up. And that was the look on his face. Uh, Kev also says, or on the Andretti theme, St. Pete, where they're on track for a one, two, three. When Herta blew a corner, Rossi spun on his own, Marco got sautoed and collected Andretti affiliate Jack Harvey and the cherry on top, Hinch spun under yellow. Oh, man, Kev, that, that's a strong opening, pal. Uh, we're, let's see if that gets beaten here. Our minister of mirth is back and he's given us more than a, a single one or two word answer. Lance Snyder says this goes to Rossi for shockingly stuffing it in the Walt St. Pete with the win in hand. Oh, that might be another look that needs a proper description. Um, it, it didn't top Michael, uh, at gateway. But it was close. So, yeah. Um, this, uh, I guess, counter to Gateway, where Hinch was able, free and able to interview his pal, Mr. Rossi. I would say this is maybe the inverse, where he was so thankful to be driving, so he didn't have to go talk to his pal, Mr. Rossi. So... Send me in, by the way, uh, Tim, that, you know, super producer, Tim, uh, we also need a little dissertation on hang, how thankful you are that Rossi uh, wasn't interviewed by Hinch there because uh, 
one of your co-hosts might have punched the other one. Uh, Stitch Turner, our pal Stitch, he of fine Floridian truck driving. Uh, another, wow, St. Pete's just kind of the lightning rod here. Uh, he says, the pace car running out of gas at St. Pete. <sighs> it's here, friends, where we make the recognition that sometimes... Just like most events that we follow in IndyCar have positions for more than first place, we might need a second or third place here in the podium because, oh boy, there are enough 2020 things to award of the 2020 season. Yeah, uh, we might need more than one. Uh, Elaine Sinclair, she says, Rossi's crap luck. Yeah, um, was a little weird, right? Because that's, that's not Rossi. And yet it struck and struck hard uh, until the very end when things lighten up a little bit. So, yeah, that's definitely a 2020 thing, right, Elaine? I mean, it's it's hard to imagine that that happens again. Uh, so, uh, yet again, well spotted. And the final submission here on this category, Kyle Brown. <sighs> so, let me see. The first one from Kevin DeVries, Andretti. A lot of drivers and scenarios involving Andretti. Uh, the second one, Lance Snyder. It's an Andretti driver, Alexander Rossi. Um, skip past Stitch and the pace car. Uh, Elaine, uh, that'd be an Andretti driver. And we're going to close with Kyle Brown, who says, I nominate Marco Andretti's performance at the Indy 500 for the most 2020 thing of 2020. <sighs> he was fast all month and went fastest in both Saturday and Sunday qualifying drivers spent the week before the race talking about how nice it was to see Marco have success at IMS. Robin Miller wrote his annual. This is Marco and Dreddy's year article. Marco follows that up by getting passed on the outside into turn one on lap one leads a grand total of zero laps and finishes 13th. <sighs> Yeah, you know, maybe I should have just named award number nine all the ways to highlight the terrible times that the Andretti team had. Uh, yeah, but I'm actually going to go because all those are true and you're all they're all perfect. And I mean, I can't argue at all of the five submissions here. Four of them are about the Andretti team or drivers. But the pace car running out of gas at St. Pete, right? I mean, that that's that's as 2020 as it's going to get, right? Like, we're, we're never going to see that happen again. We could see some of these things happen, right, with the Andretti team, where, again, may, maybe we just give the St. Pete race as a whole the most 2020 thing of the 2020 season award. I think that's what we do. I think St. Pete is the winner. Because we had the pace car running out of gas. What we had rain during the event. All the aforementioned, hey, it's Andretti's day. They're going to turn the year around. One, two, three. And then one, two, three, kaboom. All goes to hell. Uh, the hinch, as you mentioned, spinning under yellow. Uh, I mean, the only thing we didn't have was like Brian Herta falling off the timing stand or something. And I don't know. Um, I mean, what? Even Colton Herta. Right? Like, we're thinking, oh, here we go. Right? 
he's gonna win again. Well, no, okay, no. Rossi, finally, you're gonna. No, oh, Hunter Ray, it's all good. Well, I mean, all right, you salvaged something, buddy. You finished fifth, but uh, Marco, oh man, I mean, <sighs> brutal, just brutal. And there are other things about the race as well. Uh, but nonetheless, I'd have to say St. Pete. And isn't that a perfect bookend? Knowing how the season was supposed to start there and didn't and was delayed due to COVID, right? That's a super 2020 thing. And then it does finally happen and we close the season and it's a dumpster fire of the highest magnitude. Yeah, uh, I think St. Pete, you are definitely the most 2020 thing of 2020. Uh Number 10, best race award, Road America 2. Felix catching Pato from eight seconds back twice to win his first race. That comes from Brian. Uh, Got to go with EM Racing here. And boy, we had a lot of folks mention this last week. The very first Harvest Grand Prix, lap count really mattered. Really, really mattered. Temperatures as well really played a factor. If there's a way to model everything that happened at the Harvest Grand Prix round one and replicate that pretty much everywhere we go, I think that would be the formula. Would there be a better formula? I really don't think so. I think that is the clear model. However we do more of it, let's do more of it. Uh, Where do we go next? Well, if we're going numerically, which might be smart, we're going to go to number 11. Breakout IndyCar Driver of the Year Award. Well, we got a number of great choices here. I think there's an obvious winner, though. Let's get through them. Our pal Jerry Sudduth says, Pato Award. He was fast and poised all year and made his team relevant again. Honorable mention is Jack Harvey. He qualified well, generally followed up on track. He's well situated for 2021. Well spotted there, Jer. Uh, Gabe Argenta, Pato Award. No reason why, though, Gabe, so I don't know. That's maybe only half a vote. Uh, Nathan DeRover has to be Pato Award. We knew he was good. We knew he was really good, but he still managed to turn in an even better season than we expected. Uh, Brian says Pato was impressive. Hard to ignore Colton Herta, though. Uh, I don't know if I'd slot Herta into the breakout, though. Brian, didn't he do that last year? 2019, uh, doing some of them race wins and whatnot and uh, kind of kicking everyone's butt at Laguna Seca to close the year as well. Um, yeah, Kevin DeVries, Kev says, going to Renus and Pato, with Pato being a really close second. And Elaine Sinclair, Renus VK, even though it should have been Oliver Askew. Telling you, Elaine, I'm, I'm digging Digging what you're cooking here. Some great, great insights. Only real option for this, as your lump of cold drinking host happens to believe, that would be Patricio Award. Uh, The kid who just absolutely, to use a wrestling term, mollywhopped everyone this year in terms of performance expectations poise maturity what (laughs) uh this kid absolutely 
showed that he is a future champion in waiting in the same way that Joseph Newgarden did in the last year or two when he was with Ed Carpenter Racing coming through the uh, Sarah Fisher Wink Hartman team. Um, Colton 2019 showed us that yes, those two wins first one, sure. A little fortuitous, right? Coda, but doesn't matter. He was there right place. Capitalized on it. Got it. What did he do at the end of the year? Yeah. Stomped a mud hole in everybody. As I just mentioned, showed that, uh, with the benefit of the Andretti relationship, uh, plugged into his skills, Supreme engineering talent from Nathan O'Rourke. Great strategy calls from Brian Barnhart, et cetera, et cetera. Quality, everything surrounding him. Uh, this kid destined for greatness follows that up this year with greatness. Unquestioned. Full-time, big team, and ready. Uh, that is what was surrounding him this year and showed a notable market year-to-year improvement. So with more money, more everything, with just better everything around him, absolutely capitalized on the opportunity. If you look back to his rookie year, again, know that they were cash-strapped quite often. He had a number of of crashes, bad finishes that left him, quote, seventh. And I don't know why I said, quote, I was going to say, quote, slightly off from his sophomore performance. Finished seventh in 2019, finished third this year, and what's the big thing he did he got rid of all but two occasions uh, bad finishes terrible iowa we know that got it everything else every other finish that he had barring saint pete going sideways on him was a top 10 and usually a pretty deep into the top 10 finish well what did we expect for pato award coming into the season <laughs> with what like six let me count two three four five six seven indycar starts eight indycar starts i'm sorry one in 2018 uh yeah the handful that he made in 2019 uh with carlin right seven starts would have been eight had he qualified for the uh, indy 500 but you know carlin he certainly made them look good to start had some decent showings for sure but that team was not nearly as good in 2019 as it was in 2020 but what i'm getting at here despite eight total starts uh, he had an eighth place finish with carlin i think he finished ninth or so in his debut um in 2018 to close the year at sonoma but the bigger more refined point to offer kid did not get a chance to do a ton of indycar racing more or less gone for the second half of the 2019 season over farting around in Japan, seeing if the Red Bull folks really were interested in him. Turns out they weren't. He didn't come into this Aero McLaren SP opportunity going from strength to strength. He went from basically being dropped and having nothing to having something. But also, eh, it's not like he had a big wave of momentum and a ton of great experiences in IndyCar in 2019. So what did we get? Really, really, really? This is a kid who I would say it felt like he was pretty much starting from scratch. Familiar with the cars, familiar with some of the tracks, get all that. But this is a kid really, for the very first time, saying, okay, 
I now have a full season of IndyCar to look forward to with the same team. Need to figure out my engineer. Going to work with my engineer for the first time. Okay, cool. Figure out my strategist. Going to learn, meet everybody for the first time. Figure out how to work with everybody. And this kid does that not towards the end of the year as I expected, but within the first three or four races and is darn near winning the second road America race and is on the podium. What? Sorry, I'm burping a little bit from the lump of cold beer three, four times five. I don't know this kid by mid season, including the Indy 500 was looking like an old pro. And this is while figuring out how to work with everybody without having adequate practice time, nor did anybody else. I get that. But for those who are newish, closer to rookies than not, this stuff really impacts them the most. Um, I'm not kidding when I say this. Uh, I cannot wait until the 2021 season starts to see what Pato Award can do in year two. Working with, I assume there will be no changes, Will Anderson as his race engineer with our pal Craig Hampson uh, having some time to really make his influence, you know, better known, better felt, better everything. Uh, this is just, yeah, this could be a case of holy cow, this kid is so much better than any of us thought uh, he might be this early in his career. So, wow. So, yeah, the answer to this breakout IndyCar driver of the year, all great answers, all great ideas. It's got to be Pato Award, uh, period, end of sentence. I had a couple ideas here that came in for their 12th award, the breakout road to Indy driver of the year. Elaine, you're, uh, you're doing some good work here, my friend. She says, damn it, that's hard. Stingray Rob is the obvious choice for getting both his first wins and first championship. But I honestly have to say Reese Gold for getting his first wins in USF 2000 at the age of just 16. Kid's going to be a star someday. Uh, Joey the Priestess adds Cody Swanson, who uh, that was so cool, wasn't it? Cody coming in and finding a home and doing some pretty cool stuff in any Pro 2000. The dream didn't exactly continue uh, right after his IRP. I'll always call it IRP uh, success, but uh, that was really cool. You know, I would throw in Devlin DeFrancesco, right? I, I thought for a kid who, despite being North American, not having much in the way of North American racing experience, most of his time has been spent in Europe. would say I was impressed with what he did for sure. Um, you know, it would also be a little bit hard to not give a big old nod to Christian Rasmussen, right? Our new USF 2000 champ. Uh, he did a lot of winning and demonstrated himself to be a very good race car driver. And while it's not the road to Indy, he's coming to the road to Indy. He's going to be an Indy light. So we're, we've adopted him. That would be uh, Linus Lundqvist, a uh, runaway winner in what? F Fra formula regional Americas. Fra. Um, yeah. So we've borrowed you. You're now one of us in the road to Indy Linus since you did so well there. So yeah, 
real serious names and talent coming up. Uh, can't wait to see what happens next year. So great calls there, Elaine. Joey, love your call as well. I don't know if we say breakout. Who who really broke out the most? It'd have to be Stingray, right? Uh, as I wrote, uh, what, I think I wrote it last week, but it just got posted over the weekend. Wasn't necessarily on anyone's radar to become Indie Pro 2000 champion. A true, not a, a metaphorical, but a literal come-to-Jesus moment that he had at Mid-Ohio after having a fairly poor race early in the season. Really helped him get his head turned around, went on, started winning, and... Uh, you know, I thought it was going to be Daniel Frost, thought it was going to be Devlin, and it was Stingray. So if that come to Jesus moment in the little car park in the tree and wooded area behind the paddock in mid-Ohio holds, ooh, we're going to have some fun stuff to watch with young Stingray Rob in 2021. So yeah, uh, Elaine, uh, do love the Reese Gold pick, cannot... Uh, disagree with that at all but i would say a 16 year old breaking through and winning is amazing but the expectations really weren't so much there at least as i see it it's a great revelation we're going to work from stingray three years in indie pro 2000 thought we'd kind of seen what he was and year four says yeah that was just practice now you're going to get to see the real me uh that feels like a serious breakout Number 13 on our awards list, favorite news item. This is a little bit fun here. There's even one that kind of hits a little bit home. Uh, Elaine, she says, Roger Penske buying and owning everything. Yeah, not so bad, huh? Uh, Brian, you throw in Penske buys IndyCar and IMS, so that's two folks there. Uh, our pal Right Turn Lover. Usually we get submissions from our fine European pal for our weekend sports car show. But we got one here for the weekend IndyCar, and he mentions my wife, Chabrell Sticker, being carried on the Meyer Shank Racing IndyCar. And wow, I, it's funny. Well, I don't know, funny is the word, maybe sad because I'm dumb, but I hadn't remembered that until you mentioned it. Um, yeah, that was pretty amazing, right? Uh, still love to meet the, uh, the person who did that who made that happen. Uh, so if you're listening, would love to meet you, but understand that you want to remain anonymous, but more than anything, just want to say thank you. That was just insane. And it made my wife feel so special. This is the thing to keep in mind. She is a very private person. That's why you don't see me posting photos of her. I get yelled at whenever yelled at whenever I do. And you might see one a year. Uh, and it's been more than a year since I've posted anything new. It's been a year and a half at least, uh, and that's not going to change anytime soon. It's a very private person, doesn't like her business being out, doesn't like any of that stuff. Um, I think I've mentioned to you all before, she's been the Indy 500 with me, been to a number of racetracks, but private person. And therefore, while she knows that her husband works in racing and is very closely connected to motor racing, she doesn't necessarily feel like she's a part of that community for all the reasons I just mentioned. This gesture by the IndyCar fan who reached out to Mike Shank and Mike 
did the deal and uh they kindly donated to our uh medical funds um but putting her sticker on the car for the Indy 500 um that made her feel like she was part of something much bigger than herself so apologize for taking what is meant to be a bit of a whimsical show and taking a little bit of a serious turn here but hey it's what it is as our pal Juan Montoya would like to say um if you're fighting fighting cancer and fighting mobility challenges and just fighting and ev- truly every day it's not an exaggeration every day is a fight in some way there's something or multiple things you're having to fight to overcome just to live your normal life or to conduct a life that is as close to normal as it once was fighting overcoming things to get back close to back somewhere near what life was before all of these challenges and complications i've just seen in my wife and others who i know who have gone through similar things there's a big narrowing effect Uh, your world becomes small and it is that thing you're having to fight that's just in front of your eyes, almost like a blinder. You can't see much of the rest of the world. You don't feel plugged into it. Uh, while others may see you, you don't necessarily see them because it's just not where your mind's at or your spirit. It's really turned inward and having to summon all the courage and strength to fight through that thing or the multiple things that are uh, attacking you. So this gesture by the Meyershank racing team, um, that car driven by Jack Harvey, just tell you, it was something where she felt like she was part of something big and bigger. And not from a vanity standpoint or anything like that, thin or shallow like that, but just, wow, like this is an amazing thing that someone is doing publicly just for the sake of being amazing people. And would say most people on the planet don't get to experience that. Uh, Folks do get to experience that every day on social media. What's the line about, you know, you don't want to be that person. Each day there's a new person who you know, just gets dragged and destroyed for doing some stupid thing. You don't want to be that person. But for those who aren't saying dumb things and aren't full of scandal-laden activities uh, being brought to the attention of the world, for the rest of us, maybe the majority of us, you know, the, the, the spotlight rarely shines in your direction. And for my wife, who intentionally shuns the spotlight, um, just to have them do this, it, it really made her feel connected to something so much bigger than herself. And she didn't know Jack Harvey before. She's ne- never met him, nor has she met Michael Shank, but uh, she felt like she did. And she felt like they wanted to celebrate her in a, a really unique way that she would have never considered beforehand. So right turn lover, thank you for throwing this in. Um, I'm sure Mike and the rest of the gang aren't listening this deep into the show, but, um, I've thanked them many, many times and I'll continue to, but 
yeah, this was a crazily amazing thing on a hashtag me personally front this year. Pretty nuts. Uh, Daniel Summers Gill, favorite news item. You mentioned new story of the year. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, Tony Kanaan, Chip Ganassi racing for 2021, and Tony Kanaan getting the last lap he deserves. Uh, I love the thoughts here. I wonder if a favorite news item might be the Indy 500 still being held. I don't know. Um, I know, I think things were formally finished early into the new year, early in January of 2020. So we're going to go with the Penske buys everything spotted by uh, Brian and Elaine here for sure. Um, yeah, without that, without that happening, I mean, this has to be a favorite news item because without that happening, we don't have a year and I don't think we have an Indy 500. Uh, we're going to go to number 14 here on our list as I think we start to pick up momentum towards uh number 20 which is the one that's going to take the most time to get through uh most hated news item that comes from brian says a general cancellation of races pal tim falkowitz says for hashtag me personally it's a toss-up between the cancellation of saint pete says that's about the time i realized that covid was going to be serious and disruptive and uh yeah we'll also throw in the 8500 not being run on memorial day elaine sinclair yeah boy no Freedom 100 in 2021. Wow. I'm just saying. I'm not blowing smoke here, Lane. You're killing it. You're killing it, pal. Uh, Tim, I mean, you, I think you got the the one about Indy not being run on Memorial Day. That, that might be the wider, most widely held one. No fans, probably, uh, if I'd add to that. No fans uh, at the Indy 500 and not in May. Um, that probably be my winner. And I think most people's choice of winner, I'd just say Elaine, your point though, you want to talk about most unexpected hated news item. That's probably a sub award that yours needs to receive for the no freedom 100 in 2021, because while I can't, and I just can't go into a lot of the, the behind the scenes dramas, there was no grasp, as I understand it, that this announcement would be so widely panned and criticized and led to such a hard backlash internally. Um, this got ugly over a frickin' Indy Lights race being canceled. For those who've been in and around, I've participated in it, as a team manager and engineer, I have reported on it. I've written stories about it. I've taken photographs of it. I've done videos with the winners of it. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Been in and around it in a lot of different ways. Um, anybody who was involved, <laughs> hey, if you were to ask them, so eh, we're floating an idea. What if we take the Freedom 100 off the Indy Lights calendar? There's not a single person I know of in the industry in the paddock and the whatever they'd say oh yeah get it out of here it would be the opposite it would be the reaction that was received what are you doing no so most unanticipated hated news item it'd definitely be the choice to not have the freedom 100 unanticipated by those who receive the news no unanticipated by those who made the decision so elaine 
I guess technically we'd call it a 21st award. Nah, we're just going to roll it under number 14 here. So uh, you win again as well with your call here. Uh, number 15, biggest disappointment of the year award. And I said it's your pick. Could be a driver, could be a team, could be a race, could be a whatever. All right, what do we got here? James H. says the lack of LED panels and the lack of rumors on their return. I think, again, a mic drop moment. Um, we're done. Show's over. We're not going to top James's uh, submission here. You know, I did get an LED panel, so and there was no rumor of that beforehand, so that's pretty amazing. Uh, and thanks to our pal Jay Fry for uh, thinking of that and, and sending that over because it's, it's a gag gift, but it's also a baller-ass gift. So it just, you know, something to make me chuckle, which was a pretty sweet thing, I got to say. Uh, let's see. Brian, uh, for, he says, a 500 with no fans, but tailgating outside the front stretch and watching on TV was pretty cool. Tough to be that close and not be able to get in. Yeah, that 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 might have been tough. Um, I don't know if I would have done that, though. Uh, that might have messed with my head if I'd been in and around and just kind of went up close so I could hear the cars running but not be able to see them. Like, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, uh, that's not great. Uh, Daniel Summersgill. All right, so again, the topic here, biggest disappointment of the year. Oliver Askew being dropped by Aaron McLaren SP. Zach Veach being dropped by Andretti Autosport. And you also throw in no fans at Indy 500, but still so fortunate the race went ahead. Yeah, I'm uh, a little surprised. There weren't more folks who wrote in about either Oliver or Zach. But has enough time passed to where maybe it's not as fresh of a thing? I don't know. But yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Lance Snyder says Texas for completely freaking up uh, and removing the uh, NAS- NASCAR Taxi Cab Series compound goo uh, and making the track barely a one-groove affair. Yeah, that was a very 2020 thing too, Lance. So I, I we hope. It, it just had so many layers of anti-competence that it just felt like, yeah, man, there's no way this would happen any other year but this year, right? But yeah, uh, and Elaine... All right, I think we might be leaning in a direction here. Um, she says, biggest to- disappointment of the year, it'd be Zach Veach. She says, I love Zach to pieces and was hoping for better for him after his promising season start. She says, I'm not disappointed in him. I'm disappointed for him. Yeah, you know, the Indy 500 with no fans, that sucked. I can't argue that at all. There, there's no way around that. Wasn't the same. Uh, no argument to be had that it was anything close. It's just weird. Looking at still photos from the race, even watching replays and clips from the race, anytime it's a wide shot and you can see the empty grandstands, it's just, yeah, it just doesn't fit. Uh, brain says, er? So... I think that has to be it. And that's the, the impersonal one, the more personal one, the hashtag me personally one, I'd say the Zach Veach side. Um, that's never going to sit right as well, right? Just done dirty. And 
you know, there's no, we've discussed this one plenty of times. I'm with you, Elaine, not disappointed in him, but disappointed for him. Uh, sometimes things just go bad, right? Uh, what tonight's Monday night football, Cam Newton, right? Five passing touchdowns for the season. What? <laughs> this guy's an MVP. This guy is one of the, you know, oh my goodness type talents and has half as many throwing touchdowns as he does running touchdowns. Um, what? Sometimes things just don't work out at a team and Zach really, really strong year one. Oh, year two wasn't great. Open to three was really good. Oh, and then it made year two look like nothing. Oh, we're going to find new depths. Less fire. So that was really good. Far less fire. But I feel really bad for him. I do. Uh, but I think we're going to have some good news. Hopefully some good news for him about uh, what he's doing next real soon. Uh, let's see. So did, yeah, winners, no fans in the 500. Uh, and then also on the driver front here, I would say Zach for sure. And James, the lack of LED panels. I mean, that's just the all-time winner. I think that's the official winner every year going forward. All right, here's one where it got one answer, and it didn't make any sense to me. Um, so I'm not even really going to go with it. And maybe it was too obscure. It was the uh, number 16, the Juan Pablo Montoya. It is what it is award for the driver who, at the end of the day, used the most cliches in interviews. And I threw in at the end of the day because it's a cliche, So, but nobody picked up on it. So I think I might have pooped the bed on this one because it really seemed to just be one that I guess maybe uh, I wanted to answer and no one else really did. Uh, we had we did have one response to Robin Miller, but uh, that doesn't make any sense to me because Robin doesn't really speak in a lot of cliches. I'm just going to give it to Montoya. It was, didn't do anything in IndyCar this year, but he is next year. And since we didn't really get a suitable answer, we're just going to give it to the guy who the award is named after. Uh, the Juan Montoya, it is what it is, award goes to Juan Montoya. Uh, 17 in our awards. Number 17, I can see the winner right here. Uh, I, but we got an answer that I wasn't expecting. Hadn't even considered it because I don't always have functioning noggin power. Uh, first one for person of the year, that being the driver who did the most to help others. Uh, that nomination comes from Jerry Sudduth. who says Jerry Hildebrand says he's a thinker by nature who said important, timely and correct things about the problems roiling great use roiling. It's not a word I see quite often, Jerry. So, uh, about the problems roiling our country. Wow. Well, man. I love you guys. Really do. Uh, that's a great call. I would not, again, I wouldn't have thought of JR. Not because I shouldn't have, just because I wouldn't have. He stood up, didn't he? Uh, said what he thought, whether you agree with him or not. Uh, it's not really the uh, the topic of debate here. It's among all the drivers, at least the Indy 500, uh, using the biggest event, biggest platform to say whatever it is they want to say. To my knowledge, JR was the only one willing to do so. And I do indeed, Jerry, think that is pretty darn remarkable. Circumstances a bit fortunate, right? He had a sponsor, has a sponsor by the name of Salesforce, based in the very liberal San Francisco Bay Area where I'm from. 
And that is, he's backed by a CEO of that company who's all big thumbs up and support behind stand up for the things you believe in. And Jr. did spoke out, said things, uh, a lot of stuff about social justice, uh, racial equality, and so on. And that impressed me. Didn't have to do it. I don't know if it really made a big impact, right? This is, again, no disrespect to JR, but had this come from, you know, reigning champion, defending champion, recent Indy 500, Indy 500 winner, or something like that. Someone who, call it top five, top seven, uh, in terms of awareness and profile in the series, definitely think um, would have probably made bigger waves. Don't know if it did, but the fact that it resonated with you, Jerry, I'm sure that it resonated with others. So great, great spot there. Um, Brian at 500 Indy 1911, you mentioned Graham Ray Hall and his continued support for the troops. Uh, I got to go with you on this one, Brian, and that's no disrespect again to JR whatsoever. In terms of tangible things done by drivers to help others, there are a couple that are active in this area. Not many, which is disappointing, and I hope that that changes. But I cannot think of any driver in 2020 that did more to help others, to raise funds and do some pretty amazing things in terms of charity more than Graham Rahal. Long overdue to knock out a story. I don't know. I think we did the interview a couple months ago. Uh, It's just entirely my fault for not getting it done sooner. The amount of money that guy's raised, the amount of things that he has done to help uh, our men and women in military, in particular, a lot of those who have been injured in combat and need some form of physical assistance to live their lives uh, in the way that they were customary to living before their injuries. This is some really heavy stuff that uh, he does and has been doing, his wife as well. So one of those things that sounds trite to say, I hope Graham wins a championship. I hope he wins an Indy 500. I hope he emulates his father in those ways. If he does not by chance, there are a lot, and I do mean a lot of men and women who have served in the U.S. military who will always look to that guy like he is A.J. Foyt, like he is Scott Dixon, Mario Andretti, and so on. That caliber of hero for what he has done off track. Like, almost to the point, <laughs> to there's almost nothing he could do in racing that would match what he's done away from racing. And that's incredible so yeah uh indycar person of the year it's one of the few kind of sort of serious categories uh person of the year for the driver who did the most to help others i mean i say this genuinely super proud and thank you brian for nominating him to give that to graham ray hall uh we are down to three final categories number 18 save of the year award ryan terpstra says i will riot if it goes to anyone other than Roger Penske, 
who saved the season and possibly the future of IndyCar. And our pal Elaine Sinclair says the helmet of Braden Eves for obvious reasons. Well, for those who weren't aware, Braden Eves' failure in his USF 2000 car caused him to get upside down at IMS on the road course and scraped along for a long time on his helmet, which did indeed not wear all the way through. So, yes, uh, that's a great, great suggestion again. Elaine, Ryan, I know we're, we're maybe doubling up a little bit on favorite news item of the year. But, yeah, if we're talking save, yeah, in the greater sense, which you've picked up on, Roger Penske saving everything by buying it all, but also saying, yeah, I'm willing to take huge losses to make sure that everything goes forward. Only surprise here. I really thought someone was going to nominate Roger Penske's driver, Will Power, for his Baja 1000 uh, Stadium Super Truck jump coming off of turn 17 on the IMS road course, um, almost getting into the wall, but saving it. Like, if we're talking saves, holy crap, that was a save. All right, uh, we're moving on to number 19, our penultimate category. That would be favorite guest. On the week in IndyCar from 2020, just going to read these to you because they kind of tell you where we're going. Uh, Brian says, always Mike Shank, honest and real. Right turn lover, Michael Shank. Tim Falkowitz, got to go with Will Power for this one because you never know what he's going to say. Joey the Priuses mentions Mr. Pruday himself, John Ranjow. Uh, Joey, as you all might have figured out, he doesn't like sending in serious answers. Um, got to be Michael Shank, right? Uh, if you want to dose a real, you want to learn about the business side, you want to learn about running a team, you want to learn about working with drivers and sponsors, and you want to just hear some funny stories from a guy who loves drinking really cheap beer, it's Michael Shank. Um, got to give him this one for sure. So, and hey, he gave us the uh, good old Pruitt family that beautiful gift. At the 500 and what? I think the Mid-Ohio race. Was it Mid-Ohio afterwards? Yeah. Keeping my wife's stickers on the car. So we're going to give that one to Michael Shank because I can't argue. Like, if ever I just don't have a guest, I'm like, who do we need? Who do we need? Who's going who's gonna to be an awesome guest to dive in that folks are going to love? It's him. It's Mike Hull. But I'm hearing from you more and more. You love yourself some Michael Shank. All right. I'm going to take a sip of coffee. Coffee and beer. Yeah, I got to admit, uh, maybe not the best combo, but I need it a little bit. As I fight off a burp, uh, we are at the final category in the 2020 week in IndyCar. Eh, are you really sure you want to win this award award? Uh, this is going to be the one. Guess what? You made it up. These are all the ones you have come up with on your own. And uh, I really like the vast majority of them. So the Make Up Your Own Awards, and I did say create as many as you want, name the winners. We're going to kick this one off. We're going to roll through these, and then we're going to say farewell to the year, our final episode of 2020. Why? <sighs> the year doesn't deserve any more. Hopefully everyone just said amen. Uh, we're going to kick this off with Bobby Rooney. Says he's come up with the Uncle Bobby Award. Uh, for being the only driver who can go deeper into a story than Bobby Unser without coming up for air or letting anyone else get a word in, that goes to 
Uh, our man, Mr. Spin and Win, Danny Sullivan, in uh, the MP Podcast, Episode 1000 Storytelling Special. Yeah, Bobby. Um, first of all, I love that story from Danny. Here's a little background thing. So intentionally i tried to leave myself out of all the stuff i just wanted these to be clean stories just put up uh what uh episode two of the storytelling special yesterday today i don't know i remember what day it is uh we got a third one coming but really the goal was to edit myself out and just use the person have the person set up the story and tell it and just standalone goodness i do the little interstitials a little hey and next to so-and-so talking about a thing and there you go and then it's just their story and blah 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 editing is what took time to try and clean these up and shorten them up and make them a little more concise you'll notice that you won't hear a lot of ums and uh and um like like cut out a lot of that stuff shorten things up a bit so listen through more than i think Last count, it was like 12 or 13 hours of interviews to cut these down into a couple of kind of hour and a half or so episodes. Danny's in the story that you reference about how the Italian clothing manufacturer Benetton actually made him an IndyCar driver. I don't remember how long that was to start. I think in finished form, it was like, what, 12, 13, 15 minutes, something in there. I think it might have been 35 or 40 raw and having to cut out some of the stuff that kind of went a little out of nowhere about nothing and then came back and then talking about his mentor uh, and the formula Ford body that he designed and how it did this here and how that, and his mentor was a friend of Ken Tyrrell and he was a gopher and did this. And he was one of only two people invited and I'm like awesome stuff. I don't know how I fit all that into the story without confusing the living poop out of everybody. So to your point, Bobby, uh, I only maybe broke in two or three times in that 35 or 40 minute raw conversation that I got down to less than half length. Um, and it did indeed, that probably took more time than almost anyone to try and edit it down and cut out the things to just leave a vaguely meandering story that I loved but went all over the place. So uh, the Uncle Bobby Award, that's a great one. And this might need to be saved for next year's episodes as well. So I'm highlighting that one, although that means nothing. Uh, Yeah, that's a mean one. I'm just going to leave that alone. Uh, Bob Gravel says the Connor Daly Award for favorite part-time performance. The winner goes to Tony Kanaan. That's a... It's a good one. Uh, should I just slightly inject here, Bob, that Connor did the full season so he wasn't part-time? But that's okay. Hey, you make it up, whatever you want it to be. Uh, the funniest on-track moment award, Colton Herta, uh, for the ha-ha wanker comment. See, that one's resonating. How is that not a torontomotorsports.com shirt already? Or is it? And I just missed it. I don't know. But that seems like... No joke, it seems like that would actually sell at least 50 to 100. Uh, so maybe we need to get that made. Uh, Bob Gravel's final made-up award, the Will He, Won't He Award for Needless Fan Speculation. The winner is Jimmy Johnson and the 8500. Oh. So what you're telling me here 
is the Ganassi team, which would already needing to be starting on a dedicated Indy 500 chassis for Jimmy. Aero perfected and body fitted and all that stuff. Um, it's happening is what you're saying. Well, I mean, if you're breaking news here, buddy, Bob, uh, we're putting your name on that headline. Gravel says Johnson to the Indy 500. I love it. It would be, it'd be disappointing if he did, Bob, because I tell you, just from the amount of words saying, no, I'm not, and I can't and whatnot, and the sincerity behind it only to have it turn into yes, like, I'd be happy to see him. That would be the awesome part. I think most people would. But just the amount of pushback on it to then just relent and go, all right, yeah, I'm doing it, that'd be a little bit of a disappointment. But as I burp a little bit, who cares? Uh, Tim Falkowitz, hip check of the year award, Colton Herta on Santino Ferrucci at Mid-Ohio Race 2. Wow. You know what I might have loved most about that? Uh, Snoop Falky Falk. That was reading some of the good old tweeter comments. Uh, and even some who sent in comments here of, I thought it was a, an entirely one-sided affair. Don't put yourself on the outside at that corner. We've learned that throughout history. And most of all, don't put yourself on the outside of that corner with someone who doesn't like you because it ends up exactly the way that it did. I was really fascinated to see how many folks pinned the blame on Herta. And I, this is impartial. Uh, everything else I've said is, is partial. This is certainly impartial. Whether I do or don't like Herta, do or don't like Ferrucci, none of those things matter. Just from a straight-up racing thing. If you strip the names, if these were two virtual racing vehicles going through that corner and the same exact thing happened, I would think most of the racers, the people who understand racing, who grasp the driving aspect, who grasp the physics, who know that corner, know off-camberness on the outside and all kinds of things, I'd think it'd be more than 90%, say, the driver on the inside uh, was not at fault. The driver on the outside was at fault for putting themselves there. I know it's an opinion thing, and there's a lot of folks who don't have a lot of racing experience or any at all to really be able to discern exactly what went on or didn't, but I was just really surprised, Tim, to see how many folks uh, fired shots at Colton and said, nope, dirty, all you. Uh, Santino was a babe in the woods, and look at what you did to him, you mean, mean person. That caught me off guard a little bit. I don't know why I'm kind of mentioning this with as much energy as I am, but ah, there you go. I do love that hip check of the year award, though. If we get another really good hip check next year, this one will have to come back. Should we also kind of sort of throw in, and it's a contender, maybe even a winner? I don't know, although I'm adding stuff to your own category. Will Power and Graham Rahal at Road America. Was that race one or two? Again, I know we went over it earlier with Power. Um, yeah, I mean, that ended up costing Graham's team a lot of money and did a lot of damage there. Uh, would that also be the, would you put some damn tire barriers or a safer wall in front of that exposed cement block award? Yeah, that might go to the track as well. Uh, Mark Fleetwood. We are having a wonderful WKRP in Cincinnati 
1970s, early 1980s TV show reference here. So for those of you who are younger than that, this is going to be totally random. Uh, his made-up award, the Arthur Carlson as God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly award, the poor bastard who decided LED over digital readout panels. Uh, man, the number of LED or whatever... Uh, Panel car side panel references in this show. We haven't had them on the cars for what more than a year now. Uh, <laughs> I'm really surprised. Uh, Jay Fry isn't listening, but I got to tell him. No matter what, the next Indy car gotta have panels. Just gotta. No matter what. Uh, maybe it's just big iPads on both sides, or I don't know. Pick whatever your favorite tablet is maybe it's just those on both sides i don't know but something we gotta have something because apparently uh race cars without information generating readouts uh suck um john wojnar says the ryan hunter ray memorial cartoon anvil award goes to his teammate alexander rossi yeah that was weird right that was that was all uh, incestuous. Is that the right way to put it? The RHR Memorial Incestuous Cartoon Anvil Award goes to his teammate, Alexander Rossi. I'll let you fill in the rest. Uh, what are we doing now? Right, we're getting a little aggressive here. All right, James Bethay. How you doing, James? I uh, hope you and your family are awesome here, by the way, and hope you're having a pretty awesome holidays. He says the uh, Jag Off of the Year Award, that's J-A-G-G-O-F-F, Jag Off of the Year Award uh, nominations. All right, you know, uh, Andretti for dropping Zach Veach, Aaron McLaren SP for dropping Oliver Askew, honorable mentions to Santino Ferrucci and Simon Pagano for carnage in the Indy iRacing event. Wow. Uh <laughs> Uh, I love you guys. I mean, I would have never thought of the Jag off the year awards, but you know, um, you know, uh, I thought there might be some others added to this, but, uh, you know, uh, at least you didn't get your account hacked two or three times here. James, uh, Daniel Summersgill says cartoon anvil pit stop blunder of the year. Team Penske says doing a tire change and wing adjustment simultaneously, then releasing willpower with the wheel not properly attached, causing him to crash. Oh, that was painful, right? Oh, that was more than part of more than one instant occasions where it felt like Will would have had pretty darn decent finishes that would have improved his overall season and didn't. Um surprised that Ferrucci's entry for about the first half of the year wasn't uh, mentioned here, Daniel, or maybe his co-winners there because, yeah, things got tough enough to where they actually made personnel changes, and that's that was sad, very truly very sad. Uh, Mike Jablo, he offers up the Chip Ganassi, boom, hashtag I like winners award. That goes to Scott Dixon. Well spotted, my man. Uh, our pal Brian says innovation of the year award goes to the arrow screen. Obviously, uh, Lance Snyder is back. He's back again. Says the shaggy. It wasn't award 
goes to Connor Daly for deftly denying his participation in the snagging of Alexander Rossi's golf cart wheels. Uh, and he also throws in another one, least likely to pose mostly nude with their team's IndyCar. That would be Juan Pablo Montoya. You know, uh, I'm not sure where who falls where on the list of the people you want to see nude. I assume at least that you want to see nude least. I assume I'm at the top of that list. I feel like Montoya might be pretty close, though. Uh, it might be the only category where he and I are close in anything. Uh, our pal Elaine Sinclair. I'm going to make up a 21st award for the year. I did 20 for 2020. See, I'm, it's a little literal on the nose. Hat on a hat. Right? I'm not that smart or creative. I'm going to break that. We're going to go to 21. The best responses for the year-end awards show on the week in IndyCar. That goes to Elaine Sinclair. So I've created a 21st award category, and that's you, pal. No joke, seriously, not blowing smoke, not any of that. Uh, just saying straight out of the gate, No, there's no argument whatsoever. The week in IndyCar's first annual, eh, you might not want this award show. There's a 21st category, although I'm kind of reading it during the 20th award. And that goes to Elaine Sinclair for just sending in the best overall responses, most thoughtful. And what sealed it? Well, it's your award that you made up here in number 20, Announcer of the Year. Now, this one might get a little tricky, right? We've got a lot of friends. Lee Diffie was just on the show. and Got a whole bunch of friends that do announcing. You named Rob Howden from the Road to Indy for being able to run from the booth to the podium multiple times a day for the road to Indy. Still have the energy to run up and down pit lane for IndyCar Radio, and then recently to be named the Road to Indy Series Development Director on top of it, the man is just a badass. I would not only concur, Elaine, I would say he is a triple badass. And and that's, that's somewhat rarefied air. For those of you who don't know Rob, and I don't know how you would like IndyCar without being familiar with Rob. Uh, he is someone whose voice you certainly hear on IndyCar radio. Mark James, Nick Yeoman, all the good folks there. Uh, Jake Query, uh, Ryan Marine, and so like good people, good family, just right. You hear Rob doing super fine work there. It's really his junior open wheel and even before that. Right, karting. Rob's voice, if you have watched a karting video in the past 10 or 20 years, uh, probably half of them would have his voice calling whatever it is. Uh, it's him doing Road to Indie broadcasts. It's him doing the podium. It's him, 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 him. Uh, his fine lady, Alicia, the two of them. <sighs> yeah. So uh, your announcer of the year award, Elaine, uh, call here cements your own award, but yeah, I mean, Rob, what do we do? Cause I, I feel like, and this is nothing critical at all, Lane. I'm just thinking we might need to widen this a little bit because announcer of the year unsung open wheel person of the year. How's that? And that feels like Rob Howden because all the things you mentioned, as crazy busy as he is, this great 
recognition and honoring uh, by Dan Anderson, his daughter Michelle Kish, uh, those who run the road to Indy by bringing Rob inward to uh, lend his many and vast talents uh, on the series organizer level. This is a guy who is an energizer bunny who is, he makes his living giving basically, right? You go, wait a minute, isn't he earning a paycheck? Isn't this, you know, a a job? Yes, it's a job, but he could probably choose to do a lot less. And, you know, I can't tell you what he's earning now since he's got the big fancy title of development director and he's going to have just a fine pressed white t-shirt or t-shirt a pressed white shirt for now on so we're going to have to give him a little bit more respect but um i can't tell you what he's getting paid there hopefully it's a good salary um and it's not as if i know what he he makes for all the other things that he does i can just tell you being in the same general hemisphere of the media side you know uh, if you're not top line big broadcast nbc person you're probably not making a ton of money. So I mentioned that because with as much as Rob does, he could probably choose to do a little bit less, just be a little more rested, take deeper breaths. It probably wouldn't impact his bottom line too much. He could easily downshift a couple gears, I would surmise, without it drastically affecting his life or income. And yet he does not. If anything, he does more and goes harder. And so that's why I think the unsung open wheel person of the year, and uh, I'm going to type that in here so I get it correct, unsung, open wheel personality, person, not personality, of the year. See, I typed it in. That makes it official, Elaine. Uh, The unsung open wheel person of the year, That is absolutely Rob Howden, and thanks to you, Elaine, with this award that you've created, I have a feeling that's going to be a permanent one, provided this stupid podcast is still here next year at this time. I think we might be doing this um, each year for the person who could be IndyCar level, could be road to Indy level, but someone where you go, wow, they over-deliver first and foremost, but maybe in a greater picture, you can't imagine doing this without them. You unplug them, oh, a lot of things collapse, and there's no easy answer as to how it gets all put back together. So love, love, love your choice here, Elaine, of Rob Howden. Could not think of a better pick. Uh, Stitch Turner. He says the uh, awesomely improving team with a fantastic young driver lineup, but goes out of its way to still make me dislike them. Award goes to Aaron McLaren SP and says, because of this tweet, I will now be fired. Uh, Well, I didn't know that you got hired by them or were you, did I hire you and forget, but now need to fire you stitch possibly. Um, Yeah. So we're not doing the uh, what I'd like to see in 2021 thing yet. I don't know, y'all, for those of you, the four of you who are still listening. Should that be what we do next week? Like what, you know, tell me about your aspirations for the year. What do you want to see happen? Uh, If we do do that, do-do, by the way, um, do-do, I would would say Aaron McLaren SP uh, having a season 
where no drama with drivers, sponsors, uh, nudity, or anything else comes to mind. Like just a year that's clean, smooth, smooth and nude. No, a clear year, fresh, zero controversy, hard racing, achievement, no off track, on just on track, negativity. I'd love to see that because that would be the first time uh, if we're counting consecutive years, if that were to happen, that would follow two straight years where that did not happen. So that would be my choice. Uh, as for you getting fired, you might need to explain a little bit more, Stitch. Uh, Kevin DeVries, you're getting close to taking us home. Says the Dario Award. Straight up for the best air in the paddock. It's got to be Colton Herta. It would be unfair to give it to Dario since he's still around. You know, He's got a little bit of salt, more salt going in his fine locks. That Dario Franchitti, even sexier in person. We, uh, boy, I tell you, that's a, that's a, that's a hunk of man right there. Not funny. Sorry. Uh, he says the sorry award driver who exhibited the most stereotypical Canadian behavior, not named Hinchcliffe or Kellett says again, going with the always polite and courteous Colton Herta. See, now he has you, he has you. Hornswoggled, hoodwinked, and a variety of other odd phrases, Kev. He is very nice and very polite. Oh, but there's a little bastard inside of him. Because super nice, sweet kids don't win races like that. Uh, Dixon, he's amazing. The, among the nicest people in the world. Joseph Newgarden, ah, oh, seriously, just made out of sugar and candy canes and all kinds of stuff. And they have inner dickheads like you wouldn't believe. Because that selfishness, go to hell... Uh, one only one of us can live type things, and it's going to be me. Well, you find most true hardcore kick-ass winners, have, they've got that. And don't you believe for a minute that Colton Herta wouldn't cut you, wouldn't stick that knife in, whatever is needed to uh, to get the win. So, yeah, but he is. He's just a sweet little kid for sure. And, you know, he's raised good parentage and everything. Yeah, uh, that kid's a murderer. Uh, that kid is an ID channel expose waiting to happen. Uh, and I'd be the first to watch it. Uh, Lance Snyder, you are our, our penultimate. You are penultimate here, pal. As we get ready to say goodbye to 2020. Uh, is that a Bell Biv DeVoe song I should be playing? I don't know. Um most surprising to find out the Jam to Pantera Award goes to my dear wife, Shabrell. <laughs> yeah, you're uh, you're spot on, Lance. I mentioned that uh, last week. I think I don't remember what we were doing, but we were preparing something. And yeah, uh, Pantera song Walk came on and her eyes lit up and she turned up the volume to about 11. So yeah, uh, my wife's very eclectic love for music that I would say is highly non-stereotypical. Um, one of the many reasons why we are, why we fit so well, because my musical likes, uh, non expected in many ways too. Uh, well, Tim Falkowitz placed this as our last award and I, I will admit I'm getting a little emotional here because I really never thought that I would win this. So 
This is submitted by Joey of the Priuses. Final award, 2020. I'm trying to remember the name of this stupid ass. The Weekend IndyCar's first annual. Eh, you might not win. Might not want to win this award show. To which I should drink a little bit more beer. I'm not done with my beer, by the way. I slowed down too much. I overcompensated. That was an overboost penalty, I think. Joey the Priestess says, and finally, the Marshall Pruitt Award goes to Marshall Pruitt for Marshall Pruitting harder than any Marshall Pruitt has ever Marshall Pruitted. I would like to thank the Academy, all the little people, all the big people, all the wide people, narrow people. I'd like to thank all people. Plants and animals, the moons and the stars. I'd like to thank John F. Kennedy. Rage Against the Machine. Lynn St. James. You know, Mega Food and their Men's One Daily, for sure. Kofi Kingston from The New Day. Bo Barfield, former IndyCar race director. I'd like to thank Excelmark for making the address stamp that I'm holding on to in my left hand. Have you figured out I'm just naming things in and around my desk? Uh, Oreganol. That's a fine thing. Pruitt's Old English Garage. I'd like to thank Eddie Van Halen, Neil Pert for sure. Slide Film, Aquafina Water, Excedrin Baby Aspirin, iPhone, for sure the iPhone. I'll throw in another thanks to Lump of Coal. Definitely made a difference in this episode. And all of you, I might need this on a hat. Uh, because, you know, if you are finally awarded the Marshall Pruitt Award for Marshall Pruiting harder than any Marshall Pruitt has ever Marshall Pruitted, you might need that on a hat. Um, inside out, though. Maybe just print it on the inside, but uh, I think I need one there. Um, you know what, y'all? Thank you for listening to this absolute stupidity. Uh, it's my trademark. This is all I know how to do. Actually, I, that's that's wrong. I could do a lot better. I just don't want to. This is the no pressure. You don't have to be professional. Just say it and whatever, and there you go. Show some of you enjoy it, and I appreciate that. For those of you that don't, well, you stopped listening a long time ago. The smart ones got off this sinking ship a long time ago. But for those who keep paddling with me, thank you so much. Uh, all stupidity aside, thank you to y'all. This is a blast. Uh, we'll be back next week. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be thematic or if we're just going to do a normal Q&A. I don't really know if there's going to be much news that would be worthy. Oh, Here's one thing I'll close on for no reason in particular. It just popped into my head. And no, I'm not still not drunk. But let me try and finish this beer. What's one drive, IndyCar driver name that I've heard uh, of the final seats to fill? Part-time, full-time, uh, 2021 season. I'm thinking it might be more Carlin. 
I'm thinking, I don't know if that door is still open at coin granted, if there's money, it'll be open. But, um, what's one driver whose name I've heard from a really pretty smart source, um, out of left field too. someone who's like, Hey, this isn't my world. It's your world. Um, this driver is someone that I am aware of is seriously getting close to signing something. Can't it's only a single source, so I can't. That's why I'm not writing about it because I haven't bothered to chase down other sources. But Ed Jones, the uh, 2017 8500 Rookie of the Year, and yes, I know Fernando Alonso won that, but no, uh, in my heart, it's still Ed Jones. Uh, I've heard from someone who would not just be telling me this stuff for no reason. Ed Jones might be looking for an American comeback. Could it be one race, three races, a full season, half season? I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Haven't reached out to Ed. I probably wouldn't until early next week to see if it's even a real thing. Maybe it's not, but Ed Jones. Yeah, right. We spent some time talking about Zach Veach, talking about Oliver Askew, not really liking how their IndyCar adventures ended. You know, I mean, Ed had a pretty decent shot there, right? Things weren't... Uh, exactly terrible uh with him closing things down as part of the ed carpenter racing team they really didn't have you know uh, the results that they wanted but that made me kind of happy to uh to hear about that so if it were to happen i would not be angry at that at all because ed he's a good little driver wasn't really ready for the pressure and expectations uh of uh of our pal Chip Ganassi Racing and, and what they had to offer. But, you know, I would say that if we're looking at what he uh, what he left on, some of the promise that we saw in particular at Dale Coin Racing, you know, that guy was uh, that guy was pretty darn good. Uh, so I'd love to see him come back. I'd love to see him get a better shot with whomever again maybe carlin i think carlin would be pretty cool because they seem like they might be on the rise he did pretty darn good with them in the good old indie light series too so uh if that were to happen that would make me smile a bit i know some folks get a little grumpy and oh you know uh we gotta always gotta get new fresh blood we don't want old retreads Eh, come on now um ed jones back to indycar that wouldn't make me too upset so let's say thank you to Cooper Tires, Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, Bell Racing Helmets USA, and to you for all that you helped here with this fun little episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And that is a completed lump of cold, dark holiday stout, courtesy of the Prude. I am Marshall Pruitt. We will speak to you next week in 2021.